You are listening to the Mini Minxes. It's a mischievous way to start your week. Disney Girl Power. Welcome to the Mini Minxes Disney Podcast. We are part of the Touring Plans Podcast Network. We are a Walt Disney World podcast with a girly twist. And welcome to this fortnight's edition. I am your lovely host, Kim, or Kimmy, as most people like to call me. And I am also joined by the usual garbled Michelle. Oh, I'm garbled, am I? Yeah. All right, okay, whatever. How are you doing this evening, Kimmy? Yeah, not doing too bad, and yourself? Not so bad, my darling, not so bad. Weather's very wet. Wet, cold, miserable. It's bye-bye salads, hello stews. The weather is getting cold. Yeah, but Michelle, guess what? Uh, are you going to tell me how many days to your Disney trip? 19 days. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show, I gather, Kim. Is that right? Well, about 30 seconds, yeah. Uh, I've got a list of questions to oh, interrogate no. you. It's me on the hot seat. It definitely is, my darling. What's on the show? Well, on this spooky episode, because it's all Halloween themed, I'm assuming. It is indeed. Uh, in this spooky episode, we have a review, an in-depth chat with Ricky Bugante, who is, of course, of Inside the Magic Podcast. And he shares his love, passion, and I say somewhat obsession, of the Haunted Mansion. Well, we picked the good time of the year to uh, air this one, didn't we? Halloween. Well, you couldn't air it at Valentine's Day, could you? Oh, not really. Although we probably ended up recording it probably round about February with him. True. But before we move on to that, I would like to remind each one of you how you can contact the Mini Minx's Disney podcast. You can, of course, tweet us on Twitter. Our handle, if that's the correct term, is at the Mini Minx's. Or you can like us on Facebook if you just search for the Mini Minx's Disney Podcast. And you can send us a message on there as well. We also have our lovely blog, Kim. We do. And that is at www.theminiminxes.co.uk And I have just recently popped up another instalment of Jenny Whiteman's planning for Disneyland Resort Trip and have a read go back look through the history of this every minute detail that jenny has been through to plan her trip and it's giving out such amazing advice so i hope if you are planning a trip over there or if you just want to be nosy pop on over and have a read no i certainly agree with you michelle the blogs that she's done on california have been absolutely amazing so far and it's also helping me think about maybe me going to California in about 25 years. By then, there'll be a third park over there, I'm sure. <laughs> well, there you go then. It's worth the wait. So, I have a little bit of other news. Our competition for a copy of WDW with Kids 2014 that we were able to offer as a prize, which has been gifted to us one of the authors, Lillian Oopsima. The first copy, can I have a drum roll? That'll do. Has been won by Sam Weatherly, who is known on Twitter as at dreaming of underscore WDW. And the second winner, drumroll, is Rachel Bowden. To get in touch with a direct tweet to me on Twitter, and I will arrange for you to have a copy of the book sent to you in the post. Well done. Three cheers, hip hip. Hooray. 
Hip hip. Hooray. Hip hip. Hooray. We could have done that with a bit more enthusiasm, Michelle. Oh, sorry. Keep yourself posted on that there Twitter because we will be trying to give out a couple more copies. Fabulous read. Even if you haven't got kids, it is quite interesting to read all the facts and information. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, you can subscribe via iTunes if you search for touringplans.com podcast network. And while you're over on iTunes, go on, leave a bit of a review for the network, especially if you're from the UK, because, well, we're the only podcast on the UK side of the Touring Plans podcast, and really, we could do with some in the UK store just to get the word of the Minx power out there. Disney girl power, so come on, guys, please. It really does help spreading the news of Cast Network, of our show, and we love you. I suppose now we should get right on to our first care, in fact. Hi, this is Kieran, and I have some Halloween history for you. Halloween is always celebrated on the 31st of October and is known by the names All Hallows Eve, Samain, All Hallow Tide, The Feast of the Dead, and The Day of the Dead. When Christianity came to Europe, November the 1st became All Saints Day, and hence the night before was known as All Hallows Eve. Following the Romans conquering England, they merged a whole host of celebrations together. The orange colour is thought to be linked to the golden orange hues of harvest time, whilst the black being associated with death. That's me for now. See you later on in the show. Bye! Did you know all that about Halloween, Kim? I certainly didn't. I know, it's dead good. What he doesn't know, that boy, is amazing, I tell you. Although it did take him a few times to get some of those words out there because they're quite tricky. I'm not surprised. You, you do the same to me. You give us both big words that we can't say <laughs> just so it makes you look better than us. <laughs> don't worry, me and Kieran are on to you. <laughs> to me have been that devious, I don't think so, lover. <laughs> anyway... My favourite feature, feature number one, and it is entitled Kimmy's Trip to the Magic. So, my darling, I would like to take you back to (laughs) your discussions, and I remember having some with yourself about this, to when you were starting to think about going on your trip to Walt Disney World. The first thing, obviously, you must have done was to decide what time of year to go. So, why did you go in November? Because it gave me plenty of time to save up. <laughs> it's a simple, honest answer. Was there a particular reason, though, that Disney World offers to you in December that perhaps wouldn't have offered in February? Well, yes, of course, it's Christmas time. OK, because this time last year you went to Disneyland Paris, if I remember, didn't you? I did for my, not going to specify, but it was a big age birthday, birthday surprise, yes. 21. Yeah, let's say 21. Okay, plus VAT. (laughs) But yes, we were in Disneyland Paris this time. Well, in November last year, we were in Disneyland Paris. So you decided on November. How did it evolve into being part cruise, part parks? Can you sort of talk us through what you and Aaron discussed about to try and put this trip together on that front? Well, yeah, I mean, the first big question was, I went, Aaron, how much money have we got in the budget? Good point. 
to which he said as little as possible. Okay, so you nearly went to... Uh... Butlins for a weekend, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I got given a budget that I had to play with and it was up to me then to come up with different scenarios of, of what I thought that budget could cover. I did let my mind get a bit imaginative in some respects, whereas at one stage we were going to be doing a three-week holiday and a week cruise but that was never gonna meet the budget but I still budgeted it out anyway just to see the price difference Mm. so what I did is basically is I I did it as if I was gonna do it DIY because at the time we were and just basically went and found an off-site hotel which we've stayed at before which we absolutely adore and would not hesitate to recommend which is Fairfield in Suites at Lake Buena Vista so I sort of priced up a fortnight stay there then I priced up fortnight stay at Saratoga Springs or Old Key West with the dining plan for both weeks. Priced up the same for three weeks. Priced up the same but with no car. Priced up the same but with no dining plan. So a value resort. I had all these different scenarios. Took them to the board of directors, I'll call him. <laughs> and we discussed um, which ones we'd prefer. Now, this is where me and Aaron really do differ, whereas, yes, I do like Disney and I do get quite obsessed with Disney. Aaron is the complete opposite. Yes, he does like Disney, but that's as far as it goes. He's not Disney this, Disney that. Mm -hmm. You know, he likes the other parks. So there was no way that we could ever have a scenario where we didn't go Universal or we didn't go SeaWorld. Or, you know, because these are parks that Aaron enjoys, so it wouldn't be fair to go all the way out there and say, well, you're only 40 minutes away and you're not going. So I could never not factor that into the decision, which also sort of led to the fact, well, we need a car because Mm -hmm. I can't justify going on buses. I hate buses. Aaron used to go on buses quite often, so it wouldn't be fair for him to go on buses. Mm -hmm. So that helped us come out with the fact that, yes, I'm going to need a car. So that was one of your non-negotiables. You had to visit other parks, not just yes. Walt Disney World, yes. and you had to have a car. Okay, yes. so what swung it to the trip that you actually went ahead and booked? Well, we had another conversation. Again, this is where me and Aaron differ again. Aaron says to me, well, what, where do you want to eat? And I said, well, I won't mind eating here on site, here on site, here on site, here on site, and Aaron, here on site. And then I says to Aaron, well, where do you want to eat? And of course, Aaron said, Crystal Palace. And then I'm happy with McDonald's for the rest of the time, which is not necessarily true. We're not going to eat at McDonald's all the time. But he prefers to eat off-site. He likes to explore. He likes to try different things. He, he's not one for wanting to stay in the bubble, as it's called, all the time. Okay. So... I had a look at which ones I wanted to eat at and then we picked places that off-site where we wanted to eat and then we looked at all the menus. We added up a starter, a main and a pudding and a drink each at each place. We picked the most expensive and then divided it by how many restaurants there was for the average cost of each meal. So then we had a look at Saratoga Springs with a dining plan but Aaron was very firm from the start he did not want the dining plan for the full amount of the holiday because we had that in 2010 and I agree with him we found it very restrictive we found it very um keeping you on Disney property all the time you were always rushing back to meet an ADR and it just didn't suit our requirements there's nothing wrong with it it's just we didn't particularly enjoy having it for the full two weeks and I still don't think we got the full potential out of it because we had umpteen snack credits left and we had umpteen counter service credits left Mm -hmm. so it just for the full two weeks it just wasn't for us so we said right a week we'll have a week on Saratoga Springs with the dining plan 
or Old Key West because we'd still not made that decision. And we'll have a week off site at Fairfield. Both Saratoga Springs and Old Key West give you the option for having the full dining plan where you get a main, a dessert Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a drink at a table service opposed to the other dining plan where you get two counter service meals a day, a snack and a refillable mug. Yeah, so that, that was the plan. But then I did a little bit of investigation work as I was bored one night because Aaron was on a night shift and I was looking at the value resorts. Now, we are, we have looked at them before, but I must admit All Stars doesn't really do well for me when I look at it. Um, some close friends of ours really hype up the Pop Century Resorts, so I was having a look at that. And then it dawned on me, oh, hang on a minute, haven't they just opened a full range of value resorts? Um, and... At the time, I think I was looking, I don't think Little Mermaid was open. I think it was about to open, but it hadn't opened as yet. But I could still get prices. So I sort of had a look at the prices. And it worked out to be about 100 or £250, pounds, I think, more expensive than staying at Fairfield. It wasn't a great deal more expensive, but it was more expensive. So I had another chat with Aaron about it. And I says, well, look at it this way. Yes, it is going to be a, a tiny bit more expensive. I says, but... We'll have the added extra benefits of being able to use extra magic hours for the second week because we do use extra magic hours. We are ones, I've said before, we don't get up early, though hopefully that's going to change this holiday. We usually don't hit the parks till 10, 11 o'clock and we make use of the extra magic hours on a night time. So we are one of them ones that are in Magic Kingdom at stupid o'clock in the morning. But also by booking a Disney hotel rather than you've got the benefit of the free parking which is what I used to persuade Aaron, let's stay on site for the sec. Because he was a bit hesitant because he doesn't want, he didn't want to be in that bubble for the whole holiday. Mm-hmm. I got him to agree on the basis that we'd be able to use extra magic hours and we'd be saving on parking. Cool. Hooked him in that way. Yeah, so now it's one week on Saratoga Springs and one week on Little Mermaid Art of Animation. Though I do plan on fluttering my eyes and seeing if I can get upgraded to a Lion King suite. You've got a little bit of a gap in the middle between these two hotels. What's happening there? Oh, no, there's no gap. There's no gap, Kim? There's no gap. I'm sure you told me something about going on the big ship sails on the Elio. Well, we are going on a cruise, but I am not doing it in between each hotel stay. I am putting it on the end of the second week. How Ah. the cruise came about was... Everyone knows now that three weeks is the new two weeks to the <laughs> Brits. It just is. Everyone used to go for two weeks and now we are all competing with each other and now we go for three weeks. Just backtrack on that fact for our lovely American listeners. It's mainly because the flight expensive from the UK. Well, yeah, true. That, that, that is one major point. You try and make the holiday as long as you can f- physically afford because of the flight prices. The flight prices are not going to increase because you decide to stay an extra week. True. They stay the same, regardless how long you stay. Okay. So we discussed a third week, which Aaron wasn't keen on to start off with, but he said, well, let's have a look at it and let's see if we can afford it, which we could. That wasn't a problem. But then I got to thinking, well, do I really want a third week? Because for our honeymoon, I think we stayed 18 or 19 nights and we did get a little bit Disney-fied out. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we got a bit, I don't know, too much Disney can be a bad thing, that's all I'm going to say. We thought, right, well, 
we've always talked about these cruises or I've always mentioned them to Aaron but we've never seriously sat down and thought right well can we afford to do it and what's it involved so we had a look at it do we do a three nights or do we do a four nights well we'd already been on um, another English Disney meet where we met a cruise fanatic there and I mean, she's been on all kinds of cruises with Disney she is a crew, Disney cruise expert and she said if you can afford it she'd definitely recommend doing the four night one mm-hmm. so we aimed for the four night one which we were able to achieve budget wise Okay. what you had to factor in there was how much money would you spend in that third week by A. being in a hotel B. on your food and C. your spending money so yeah, we worked all that out, compared that to the cruise price, and to be fair, we'd actually save money by doing a fortnight cruise because we wouldn't need as much food because it's only a fortnight cruise, and we wouldn't need as much spending money because yes, there's stuff there to buy, but you know you can be quite controlled if you try. And you're also not having to upgrade from fourteen day park tickets to twenty one. Exactly. Okay. So that's how the cruise came about. So, week at Saratoga Springs. Yes. Week at Art of Animation. Yes. Four night cruise on the Dream. Yes. You've got all that booked out. Did you book it DIY or did you go to an agency? Well, this is where the crunch happened because we got to a stage where we're like, we really need to get stuff booked because the flights are going to be released any day now. But unfortunately, our boiler broke and it's like, well, we haven't got the money to put down for the full flights because, you know, if you go to a Virgin Atlantic, you've got to pay up front for the flights. True. We don't we don't have a credit card that we want to put that amount of money on, so that was never an option. We didn't really want to use our savings for it. So that's when I started looking around and contemplating travel agents. Now, I say contemplating travel agents, I'm not talking I went to Virgin, I'm not talking I went to Thompson or anything. I went to... I mean, what, what do you call them? They're sort of, well, they're travel agents, aren't they? But they're not high street travel agents. They're sort of... Oh, the uh, web-based travel agency. I suppose in that respect, they could offer a really good price because they don't have the overheads of running stars. Exactly. Which is something I gather from friends, that in the States, it's a very alien um, situation. They don't have travel agencies that most travel agents in the states work from home or in a call center type environment so it's it's big difference isn't it sorry i'm interrupting carry on love all right no you're right it is it's a very big difference and i i I sort of went to a well-known english disney website i won't say the name sort of scrolled through their forums had a look at travel agents that were advertising on this particular web page and had a look at the reviews and stuff sent a few emails out told them exactly what I wanted, you know, and what was the best price that they could do for this whole package. I even sent one to an American travel agency just to see if they could obviously compete and what what difference of offers that they could make to the British ones. And I got some prices back. Two of them were more expensive than what I could actually book DIY. Uh, The American one was all right. I couldn't really be bothered to go through the hassle because they wanted to be paid in dollars so that would mean that I'd have you know transfer charges or whatever you want to call it on my bank account I could get it all changed into dollars and then pay them that way but to be honest I really couldn't be bothered with the hassle the only thing I will say for the American travel agencies is their cancellation policies are a hell of a lot better than the British ones oh impeccable 
it's just it's just easier to try and change anything or cancel anything with them so if that is a big big thing for you i would certainly say go with the american travel agents rather than the british ones but i just basically was being lazy and i just couldn't be bothered to change everything into dollars and i didn't want to pay anything on top of what i already was paying so that's why the american one got ruled out and then i got a price back from another company where he was round about the same price as what i could do diy and i quite liked him he sounded quite nice on his emails and i'd spoken to him on the phone and everything and I, and I just sort of said to him, well, is there anything else that you can do on price? What I was actually getting him to price up was my flights, my accommodation, obviously my Disney tickets, dining plan, car hire and cruise. He went away and he come back to me two or three days later and, you know, he gave me an offer really that I couldn't refuse. He actually gave me it and it was about four to five hundred pounds cheaper than what I could do DIY. Wow. And it was just something I couldn't, you know, and he threw in a free upgrade on the cruise. He threw in some onboard cruise credit, which I know the Americans get anyway, but you can't really get that from British travel agencies. No, we can't. I didn't have to pay for it up front. I could pay with £150 deposit and not worry about it till um, three months before we go on holiday. Wow. So that's why I chose them. The trip's all booked. Yeah. You're getting ready to save up for it. Yeah. Time's ticking on. At what mm-hmm. point start looking at what you were going to be doing on each day, what park tickets you were going to need, etc. Now I've never used touring plans before. I've heard of it, but I've never I'm a bit I, I'm sure listeners have worked out that I don't like to park with my cash very easily. <laughs> I sort of had a look at my shells and, and thought, Oh, this is actually quite good and it's not very expensive. Um I'll I'll get one, see what it's like. So I signed up and I got my subscription and everything and I had a look at what were the green days, what were the red days, what were the, you know, and I sort of based what we were doing on each day on that, but also with what we wanted to do. Like we know last time we didn't give Hollywood Studios as much attention as other parks, so we've made sure that we go there first. Because what me and Aaron always find is whatever parks we usually leave to the last few days, we don't tend to probably tour as well as what we should do because we're tired and we're you know we're on that homeward stretch and you know you've been there for two weeks and it's hot and you've run out of enthusiasm and stuff so we try and switch stuff around a bit so we knew that had to be first and then obviously we like to try and get to magic kingdom as soon as we can so that's obviously like day two or three so we had things that we knew what we wanted to do but just not necessarily in what order Mm -hmm. So once I got the order from Touring Plans of what I wanted to do, we sort of sat and discussed what the ADRs were going to be. And, you know, where did we want breakfast? Where did we want dinner and and stuff like that? So that all got arranged. Okay, so what ADRs have you booked? The ADRs that we've booked for the first week with the dining plan is we've got Sci-Fi Diner at Hollywood Studios. Good choice. And then we've got what me and Aaron have called Fatty Day. (laughs) Which is our first full day at Magic Kingdom because we have a Crystal Palace buffet breakfast at half past eight in the morning. Nice pictures of Main Street, nice and empty. Good thinking there, Batman. Then we're just going to have a counter service for lunch if we need lunch because for dinner we're at Liberty Tree Tavern. Wow, that's a lot day. What time are you eating at Liberty Tree? Uh, off the top of my head I can't remember but I want to say about half past six. Oh, that's not so bad that's not so bad that's doable 
Ah, but Michelle, also, because of the way things worked out, that was the only day that we could fit in the Wishes Dessert Party. No way! <laughs> so, the Wishes Dessert Party starts at 8 o'clock. So, from Liberty, Tree Tavern, Tav- from Liberty Tree Tavern, we will be walking directly to Tomorrowland Terrace for a dessert party. I suggest you do some star jumps on the way, love, to burn <laughs> off everything at Liberty Tree Tavern, because that is one heck of a filling meal there. Hence why this day will now be known as Fatty Day. Okay, so what's after Fatty Day? We have a ADR at Beer Garden at Epcot at night time. Okay. We have a ADR at 50s Primetime Diner back at Hollywood Studios. Cool. Never been there, so it'll be interesting to hear what, what you think. We have a ADR at Garden Grill. Oh. With Mickey, Pluto and Chippendale. Try to get the bottom lower level. Why? Because you can see into the ride a bit better. Oh, interesting. Most recently, made an ADR for Trails End. This is completely on a fantastic review that my friend keeps banging on about it, saying that it's the new La Cellier, it's the new secret of Walt Disney World, and it'll be just as popular as La Cellier in a couple of years because it's one of them ones that I think not many people go to, but now everyone can't stop talking about. And it's a buffet, um, and it serves ribs, chicken, cornbread. So, like, uh-huh. all I can eat cornbread. Um, and just comfort food like that. We've also got an... You'll, you'll, you'll see there's more than seven. We've got an ADR at um, Camp May Cafe. I always call it camp, and it's not. It's Cape May Cafe uh, for the clam buffet. God, that is such a mouthful. Oh, the clam bake. Yes do think that is it so i gather you got a really good deal with your tickets as well for your park tickets because there's a lot of places that you said you wanted to go you wanted to go off disney Mm -hmm. so you needed some kind of package for universal what did you end up doing to get that yes so obviously we're not staying on disney so we knew we wanted to go to SeaWorld and we knew we wanted to go to Islands of Adventure and we knew we wanted to go to Universal Studios. We're not too bothered about Bush Gardens. I think Aaron would like to go, but with me not being a coaster person, I think he gets a bit bored of going on them on his own. Yeah. So that kind of rules that out. And Aquatica would like to go, but you know we wouldn't be terribly upset if we didn't go. So they were the three parks that we wanted to focus on. Now, normally people from the UK just buy something that's known as an Orlando Flexi ticket. Yeah. Which covers all them parks I've just said. Yeah. Well, I, I thought, a bit, I was thinking a bit outside the box. I thought, well, I wonder if it's cheaper to buy your Universal ticket and your SeaWorld ticket separately. So I had a look at that and, yeah, it were a little bit cheaper to do that. Not much. It was only like £20, £30, not much at all. But while I was looking at the SeaWorld tickets, the Discovery Cove logo sort of attracted my eye. And I thought, oh, let's have a look and see how much these are these days. So I had a look and it's as expensive as always. But then I noticed that you could actually purchase tickets, which I didn't know, without doing a dolphin swim. Now, because I'm going in November, the price of these tickets are quite low. And the price of a Discovery Cove ticket 
you can pick and choose which other SeaWorld parks you get included in that ticket. So I could pick Aquatica and SeaWorld. So I had a look at the price of that and Universal tickets compared to the Flexi ticket. And it was more expensive by £19, which is about $40, $35. But when you weigh in the fact that we'll be getting our breakfast that day, when you add in the fact that we'll be getting our lunch, and when you add in the fact that Aaron can drink his own weight in beer, it actually works out cheaper. So we've booked Discovery Cove non-swim, which includes admission to SeaWorld and Aquatica. And then we've booked the two-pack Universal ticket. Now, I knew how much these tickets were supposed to cost. But again, I did a bit of research, looked at all the different ticket agents in the UK and got the cheaper price from these agents. Rung my normal agent, who I like to use, and said, right, I've seen this agent selling this ticket at this price and I've seen this one selling it at this price. What can you do for me? Well, at first, she says, well, I can't do anything for you because this company don't let you just pay by deposit we do and then this company isn't real tickets it's just vouchers and we give you real tickets which if you look in their terms and conditions they'll only price match if the conditions are exactly the same so you know because they i wanted the 10 pound deposit offer you know by 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 really they didn't really have to give me it but when i sort of explained to her well, all right, then it don't matter. I'll go somewhere else. I'm not too fussed. She soon sort of changed the tune. I could probably price match it. So she went to price match and she says, well, actually, I can do them a bit cheaper if you want. And so I got them at about £60 cheaper than what I actually expected to get them for. Wow. So it's worth it to look and to barter and to be cheeky and, and you know, and not be afraid to say, well, I'll go somewhere else. So I got my tickets from this agent with this packet that's come um, through the post because I got it the other day. I've got a free travel wallet, which doesn't sound very exciting, but I got very excited. I got a free um, Planet Hollywood voucher. So that'll be two Planet Hollywood vouchers I'll have because I'll have the one from Disney. I've got a free Florida Mall voucher. I got a free underwater camera and I got some free sweets as well, which made me even more happier. That sounds like the whole way through from when you originally started thinking about your trip to you booking your tickets, which I, I know was one of the last things that you, you didn't yeah. sort in this, is that the key word here is research. I'd say research and I'd also say barter. Research, bartering and I suppose, I don't know if I'm summarising this right, but you have totally personalised this trip to... Yeah yours and Aaron's desires yeah. you wanted from this holiday and looked at all the possible options, priced them all up mm-hmm. and basically made the, made the maths, the numbers work for what you could manage in your budget. Exactly. And really, when you think of it, you, you're going away for nearly three weeks, you're going to do two different hotels, you're going to do a cruise in multi-different parks in the Orlando area... Mm-hmm. There's so much there. Don't forget me down with Shamu. Don't forget the down with Shamu. Wild Arctic Experience. Wild Arctic Experience. Discovery Cove. Discovery Cove. My Wishes wow. Dessert Party. On Fat Day. On Fatty Day. And then we have left in the budget the cost of Mickey's Merry Christmas Party, but we haven't purchased the tickets yet because for two reasons. First reason being... 
I don't want to pay any more charges on my card because we get we get stung a little bit when we buy American tickets on our card. True. We did we did with Wild Arctic. I think it was only about eight or nine pounds more expensive, but that's eight or nine pounds better off in my pocket. Um, so we decided that we'd buy them out there. But we've also sort of come to the conclusion that we might be actually tired by the time that particular party night comes because it's in the second week. So let's see how we feel. And as long as we buy them tickets, if they're available still, the day before the party, we'll still get them at the discounted rate that we would if we'd buy them over here now. Oh, you might as well do that then. You know, Mickey's Merry Christmas Party is sort of penciled in, but there's so much that we're doing that we just might not have the energy to drink cocoa and eat biscuits. Do you know what, Kim? I really can't wait to hear from you when you get back and listen to your trip review and hopefully you might post some pictures while you're doing so many things that I've yet, I've yet to do. Well, I mean, and that was another theme of this holiday. It was trying... Because we, we, we definitely have decided between the two of us, cue the sad violins, that this will be our last Walt Disney World trip for the foreseeable future. Because we have other things that we need to concentrate on, be it families, be it savings, be it moving house. You know, we're at that age where we need to sort of decide what we want to do. And we can't just keep ploughing all our money, because as we've said, it's a lot of money for us, into this holiday, which we've done, you know, every two years for the last sort of eight years. Mm. So this will be our last trip for the foreseeable future. So we want to try and maximise what, what we do and try and experience stuff that we haven't experienced before. Can't wait to hear more. Well, thank you for being a guest on your own podcast. I know, it's been good. <laughs> Do I get to plug something? Go on, then. I don't know what to plug. What can I plug? Oh. Uh-huh. You can link us into our Care and Fact. Yes, if you like listening to facts, you can catch my Care and Facts on the Mini Minx's Disney podcast, which is released fortnightly on the Touring Plans Network. Oh. In Disneyland Resort, Halloween sees the arrival of The Haunted Mansion Holiday Makeover by Jack Skeleton. With inspiration from Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, this is an eerie than usual experience for supernatural sweets, graveyard angels and the ever-present 999 Happy Haunts. This is a must-do spectacular at DLR. As this year is the 13th year of such a makeover, the Imagineers have made this year surely the biggest and best. The annual centerpiece for this Waltz of the Weird is always a huge, creepy gingerbread creation with 13 doors, each with the face of Jack. The gingerbread mansion features other moving parts. Ginger dead zombie cookies and ginger gargoyles perched on its ledges. The piece stands more than 13 feet tall and, and weighs more than 500 pounds. It requires nearly 240 pounds of gingerbread, 160 pounds of fondant and 150 pounds of royal icing. If only this would come to WDW. Now over to the Minx's interview with Ricky Paganti and his Haunted Mansion experience. Uh, 
Joining me in this segment is the lovely Becky Mannion, but also the host of Inside the Magic, Ricky Brigante. Hi, thanks uh, very much for having me on. So Ricky, we've invited you on to this fortnight's episode of the Minimingses Disney podcast to talk about your love of the Haunted Mansion. Would you like to take us back to those early days when your obsession began? We're going on the Haunted Mansion for the very first time. My dad told me uh, because I was very young and scared of the thunder and lightning and howling outside. He actually told me it was Cinderella's, uh, Cinderella's Castle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, uh, even at that young age, I don't think I quite believed, but I just sort of bought into it for the sake of going on. And then, of course, now I'm a, a huge Haunted Mansion fan. So I think that was the beginning of that. The Haunted Mansion is, for many, one of the most iconic attractions in the Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. You are a little bit of a self-obsessed fan and just want to spend a little bit of time reviewing this attraction with yourself. So, what is it about the Haunted Mansion that resonates so much with you? It's, um, well, it's definitely what I said earlier a, a bit, um, because I was, you know, it was a part of my childhood. Um, but even beyond that, uh... I find it so fascinating, and, and I don't think it would ever really happen today in the same way, that Disney can take a subject like death, I mean, that's the ultimate grim subject, and turn it into something fun and family-friendly and, and happy, really. I mean, you're, you're, you're going through this, this spooky environment, and you're surrounded by ghosts, and that could really go in the creepy scary you know you don't want to be there with young kids type of uh, feel but instead it's upbeat and it's it's fun and it's got jokes and to walk that that careful line is uh you know it, it's really a testament to mark davis and all the many other talented folks who created that attraction and since then really i think you know the tower of terror certainly gets close to that uh type of uh, uh, feeling um and the overseas versions you know phantom manor and they're working on Mystic Manor and, and those, you know, sort of similar notions, but really that basic, that original Haunted Mansion, um, I think forever will stand out as um, the ultimate attraction for anybody who's sort of into that side of things. You know, you like the, the haunted houses and Halloween and uh, horror movies and that kind of thing, but you can still retain that same fun, smiling Disney feel while you're doing it. Wow. Um, I gather Walt's original idea was a museum of the weird, a kind of right. please 1960s. So can you share how the attraction came about? Well, I mean, it was definitely a long time a long time in the making. Um, yes, uh, Rolly Crump did some wonderful, wonderful uh, concepts for that whole museum of the weird notion where it was going to be a walkthrough attraction. And, uh, you know, everything that goes on behind the scenes, uh, behind the walls and Imagineering goes through this sort of evolutionary phase where concepts will be, you know, this, here's this, here's that, you know, different people working on it from different directions, and then they kind of blend together. The Haunted Mansion certainly followed a path that, uh, you know, it's almost untraceable because it kind of just moved along in the right people worked on it and the right talents and you know somewhere along the line uh, certainly Bob Gurr with the iconic uh, design of the doom buggy got in there and the notion of the omni mover um, and of course uh, you know Adventures Through Inner Space also had that same vehicle design and it, it just kind of all blended together very very well i mean the for <laughs> to have Disneyland constructed and and you know ultimately New Orleans Square and have this mansion there sitting there for so many years without an attraction in it and and while disney kind of figured out what was happening there 
um, that sort of speaks to how what the Haunted Mansion original era uh, finally became because it wasn't something so cut and dry as here's the plans we're going to go you know step by step through it all it was just a little bit of this and a little bit of that and there never really was a you know beginning middle and end story to it it was always just sort of a conglomeration of ideas that would uh, summarize uh, you know around the same topic but you know just sort mm. of little vignettes that you can enjoy on the way through hinted before about Mark Davis and he and Claude Coates had such different views of the attraction one wanted it to be quite funny the other wanted it to be quite scary do you think the balance is right or would you prefer it to lean to one of those sides and if so which Um, I think the Mark Davis humorous side comes through a lot more uh, and I think that's most appropriate for parks like the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland personally I'd love to see sort of a scarier haunted mansion come out in some form even if it's a special event or you know a nighttime version or something like that um, but as is that you know the, there are so it, it's easy to jump out and scare people you know I mean uh, there's haunted houses all over the world that do that every uh, you know Halloween uh, it's it's and, and don't get me wrong obviously there's a lot of really a lot of creativity that goes into those um, but the basic notion of jumping out and startling somebody you know they could throw that around every corner in the haunted mansion and it would be no fun um to sort of capture that that whimsical spirit while talking about such a grim subject is is where sort of the the real heart of the haunted mansion is um and i i I certainly would never want to see that changed um the house has many characters such as master gracie and madame lotar can you share a little bit about them well, uh, certainly Leota is a character by name. Uh, you know, it's funny, the the notion of Master Gracie, of course, the name came from Yale Gracie, one of the Imagineers, a great you know, sort of illusionist uh, that worked on many of the effects for the attraction. And, and if you looked at the, well, before they kind of moved all the tombstones around out here in Orlando, uh, it was kind of the credits for the Haunted Mansion. You know, all the tombstones bared names of the Imagineers that worked on it. And it just so happened that Gracie had the master name on it where you know there was of course tributes to many of the Imagineers that we've mentioned in there as well um, you know Exitensio, Mark Davis etc etc um, but because Gracie got the master name on his tombstone it kind of and then it got linked over time to that main portrait that I don't believe that was ever really the intention from the beginning that Master Gracie was the guy behind everything that he was the ghost host or anything like that I mean there's been a lot of stories about uh, different possibilities of who really the ghost host was so as far as specific characters in the mansion i think really the bride uh who ultimately you know with recent refurbishments they've given a name to the you know she's constance uh and she has a, ba- a much more elaborate backstory now um but really Liliota was kind of the only actually purposefully named character um because she's really the only human that you know spoke face to face and that's really all she had <laughs> as a face uh, <laughs> as, as part of it all um everyone else is just kind of there uh you know gathering as a, a, a retirement home for ghosts really <laughs> it is quite quite spooky i must admit i love how leota just the spherical image and the voice it just the hairs on the back of my neck just ping and i feel oh my heavens yeah, they've done a great job keeping the technology up to date on that too. Um, you know, making the ball float around the room and upgrades in projection technology, and it it you know it just looks phenomenal nowadays for something that was recorded years and years ago. And I absolutely love the fact that it was um, you know Kim Irvine, who's the daughter of uh, Leota Toombs, who is uh, again that name carried over. Leota was actually the Imagineers' name who 
eventually led the face to the attraction. Kim Irvine is her daughter, and she is the face and uh, for the Haunted Mansion holiday version. And, of course, she looks just like her mom. True. Prior to entering the house, there's the hearse, which, again, I gather there's one over at Disneyland as well, but the particular hearse, the invisible hearse um, outside the version at Walt Disney World, I gather it's a bit of a famous hearse. I'm, I'm not sure if I've heard the story right, but it was it was uh, used in a John Wayne film back in the 60s. Is that right? I've heard the same, and I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll just have to keep guessing on that one. I, I just read it and I thought, no, that can't be right. They would right. have, have dug it out from a, an old Western prop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not too sure on that one. Okay. Okay, so can we go together on a walkthrough of the attraction and we start in the stretching room? What is ahead of us? Well, um, uh, the, you know, the, the the stretching room is one of those moments that it's sort of, you know, today, a lot of attractions will have um, pre-show videos and that kind of thing, setting up the story. That's why one of the things great about the Haunted Mansion is it was a, um, a pre-show uh, sort of by accident. Uh, of course, the, the stretching room was designed initially out of Disneyland because they needed a way to get guests uh, across the berm, the, you know, where the railroad is going around the park. They had to get everybody out back to where the rest of the attraction is, uh, is laid out. So to do so, they created this wonderful uh, effect with these, you know, the amazing uh, portraits, the artwork that uh, stretch uh, around you. And it's been improved on, uh, certainly out here in Orlando. I love the, the ghost host flying around you, uh, the voice. It's a wonderful, wonderful effect, um, and it's uh, it's nice to get in there when guests are actually paying attention instead of just chatting with each other. True. Yeah, checking the checking the Facebook and yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's one of those things that it, you know Disney almost needs to beat people over the head uh, the head and say put away your phones. The experience starts now. You know, <laughs> it, a lot of it really. You know, if you're not sitting in a ride vehicle, people think uh, today. Well, it's time for chit chat. It's time for phones it's time to look at the map and do this and that and they don't realize that they're missing the greater experience around them that it, just because they're on their feet and not on a ride doesn't mean you haven't already started you know uh, having fun and enjoying an attraction oh no it starts all the way back as you go go through the queue and it, then you've got the interactive tombs you can play with and the music effects and everything doesn't it yeah, absolutely, and and uh, you know, not everybody's a, a big fan of the 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 new interactive queue there, and sort of that notion moving forward. But I think it, overall, it's a good thing because it does get people engaged and paying attention to the attraction rather than paying attention to, like we just said, you know, phones and and chit chat and all of that. Um, you know, Disney has put a lot of effort into creating these experiences and surroundings, and if you don't stop and look around, you're going to miss half of you know half of what you're doing in the parks. So after we leave the stretching room, there's not normally, when I've been anyway, because it's always dead busy, there's a big sort of wall of people trying to get onto the dune buggies. <laughs> right. Because there, it sort of goes from being quite ordered as you go into the stretching room. When you come out, it's like chaos and everyone's trying to keep together and people are jostling for position. And then eventually you get into your dune buggy and you set off on your journey. Is there a particular... I hate to call it room, but element 
of your journey round that you particularly enjoy the most? Is it the ballroom scene or the graveyard, etc.? Right. Uh, well, uh, the graveyard has always been my favorite moment, and it's a very large, long, you know, it's a huge chunk of the ride um, because of the variety of uh, sort of, you finally get the the ghosts to materialize uh, fully in front of you. At that point, you can really pick out each individual one, and if you pay attention to sort of the specifics of each character, you can sort of get an idea of where they came from and see how varied the residents of the Haunted Mansion are. They're not just a bunch of, you know, old guys from a, re- from a retirement home that passed away or something like that. They're, you know, from, from years of history uh, from all over the world and uh, it's fun to sort of uh, pick out those individual uh, not only by visuals but you can also tune in specifically to a lot of their voices as they sing in unison uh, Grim Grinning Ghosts um, so so that's you know just a lot of fun to sort of pay attention to those details I love that bit. Do you have a favourite area Becky? Um, probably the ballroom. I do love trying to look at all the ghosts and seeing what they're doing, you know, and they're all dancing and eating and hanging off the candelabra. That's always been my favourite bit. With the pep- I love the pepper ghost effect. It's one of those things that I, I still find hilarious that people uh, refer to it and many other similar effects as holograms, which they are not. It's really just a, you know, it's a reflection on a piece yeah. of glass. But decades, I mean, that effect is uh, about 100 years old, if not more. And to still be a wonderful, convincing effect today amidst all this technology is is awesome. It's yeah. cool. And you've got to watch, watch the portrait with the... Um the jewel as well i really like that the detail is just i think the first time i ever went on it it was like i don't really make much of this because i wasn't really paying attention and i think you've got to go on this ride over and over to pick up the little nuances and the details and everything to to really fall in love with it to be honest oh i have a question sorry i read something the other day obviously in quite a few spaces um, you know, before you go to the graveyard, they say you're leaving the window. They're saying you either jumped or was you pushed. What was your theory on that? Yeah, that's one of those things that sort of has evolved over the years, especially with the the changing of the bride in there. You know, she's moved from one side of the, the cars to the other, and she certainly has more going on with her now. And um, it, it's not always clear as to what is happening there you know whether you are jumping out of the window to escape or you're being pushed or you know you certainly get the, the you come out of that that window of the attic and you turn around immediately and start sort of are falling backwards into the graveyard so somehow or another you end up leaving the mansion at that point i do remember at one time out here in orlando just above the opening there above the doom buggies there were some finger marks kind of glowing up there and i don't think they're there anymore but almost as if somebody was sort of grasping on the way out you know trying to hang on but getting you know shoved out uh, of the attic um the bride's mo was really to off her husbands not so much other random people so maybe <laughs> she just wanted you to get out you know be like hey i've got these plans uh, i don't want you interfering get out of my space <laughs> well fantastic is there anything you'd like to change in the haunted mansion um, uh, you know, I love what they've been doing out here in Orlando uh, with the sort of animated uh, mirror ghosts at the end. Um, but the 
actual animation that they have put in moved beyond Mark Davis's very carefully crafted uh, sort of silliness into a world of sort of almost Saturday morning cartoon silliness. Mm -hmm. And I I wish they had pulled back just a little bit on that and kept more true to the feeling of Mark Davis's very clever artwork uh, instead of just little simple gags with the hitchhiking ghost. I love the effect. They did an amazing job with it. The technology behind it is brilliant. Um, I just I wish the art style and what the ghosts did was a little bit more in line with the rest of the ride. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the attraction? Uh, I'm sure I could go on and on and on about <laughs> many many things. Um, I, you know, I, I, what, I guess one thing that comes to mind immediately is is this fascination about the finding the bride's ring um, around the attraction and sort of the the legend behind that. Um, it, it, it all began because of this little sort of metal ring, if you will, uh, near the exit of the ride out here in Orlando, and that never really was intended to be a ring. It was just part, you know, part of an old post or something like that, and it was just you know in the ground, but it looked like a ring and then uh they continued that on with the new interactive queue they actually put in sort of a representation of the bride's ring there because the other one had been covered over um and so you can now legitimately look for that as part of it so that's one of i I find that just fascinating that sort of fan created stories and sort of uh, you know kept going on with cast members and it just sort of goes over the years even if it was never part of uh, the designer's intentions can make its way back in as a tribute or you know a nod or just sort of a fun bit that they can add in there that it's a sort of a you know that evolutionary process that that brings fans of an attraction into an experience uh, uh, permanently, it seems. We hinted earlier on in the interview about layovers for different times of the year that you perhaps like to see on an evening things become a little bit scarier. And I know over at Disneyland they change their haunted mansion seasonally. Would you like to see that happen over at Orlando for either Halloween or Christmas or both even? Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I love Haunted Mansion Holiday. I'm a big fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas. I have made trips to California specifically to see Haunted Mansion Holiday, and I would be thrilled if it ever came out here. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think that's ever going to happen just because, you know, tourists like to see the classic experience. Oh, what do you think, Becky? Would you like to see it jazzed up for Christmas or Halloween? Um, I think Halloween would probably be more appropriate. Like, I know, obviously, there's a lot going on in the Magic Kingdom for that whole month. So I think just for a little while, they could maybe change something. Mm. Even if they made it more subtle. You know, it doesn't have to be the the grand overlay that they do in California. You know, maybe just throw a few little tidbits here and there. um, You know, hidden things that you can look for. I think that would be fun. Mm. Because... They do do um, events around Haunted Mansion for Halloween over at Walt Disney World as well, because I know you've covered them for the show. Are they something that you will keep on doing to share with us? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is definitely something that I've said over the years needs an update. Uh, It's been the same party year after year after year with very, very minor tweaks to it. And uh, I certainly understand that not everybody gets to go every year. You know, most people get to go and see it once period, ever. Um, And so for them, it's new. Uh, But, you know, there's a good chunk of people who do go back every single year. You know, they either make trips here or they're locals. uh, And and having some sort of variation in there other than maybe some costume changes or a subtle update to a parade float, that kind of thing, I I think it's time for that event to, uh, to become something new. 
Cool. I've, I've never actually been to Mickey's Not So Scary. Unfortunately, because of my job, I'm a school teacher. I don't get enough time out mm-hmm. at that time of year. You know, I get the big chunk of the holidays in the in the summer, so I, I tend to just catch maybe a couple of days where they're changing the park over to Halloween at the beginning of September. And mm-hmm. that's that's my lot. Have you ever been, Becky? No, I haven't. I went to the Pirate Princess party a few years ago, but I do want to try the Halloween party as well. Yeah, that was a nice variation. You know, those those didn't sell so well, and I think that's why they went away. Um, but uh, you know, having a f- just a different sort of nighttime party, I was I was happy to see that Disney, you know, went uh, took the step to try to do something new in the parks. And unfortunately, when things don't go quite right, it completely kills ideas for the future. They always, you know, will look back on that bit like, well, that didn't work, so we're not even going to bother with this. You know, mm. that's that's unfortunate. This was uh, quite a few years ago. It was before um, Captain Jack Sparrow was actually in the parks. Mm-hmm. So a major highlight was meeting him in the evening. So I was obviously yeah. like so excited. So the queue for him was obviously like massive. Sure. And, and then ultimately the, they... They yeah, brought they him in of, anyway, didn't they? Right. They kind of folded him into uh, the not-so-scary party that, you know, the pr- pirate float is in there and, and Barbosa and Jack Sparrow. And then, you know, there's sort of daily Jack Sparrow shows. And so he's he's definitely much more prominent now i mean he's even on he's even on uh cruise line now as well (laughs) wow right ricky i'm going to give you the key for the haunted mansion and i'm going to say you can go in and take one item out and keep it forever (laughs) what's it going to be and is it going to cause me to get really upset because it's the one thing i want as well (laughs) um so i can't have the whole mansion right (laughs) no just one item (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, you know, I think um, looking at my vast collection of items that, you know, of things Disney has released over the years, the one thing they've never properly released, uh, even, a, even a small replica of, are those great little bat stanchions uh, for the, the, you know, the, the queue rope as you're rounding the corner getting into the doom buggy. Um, they, they've been released in sort of, you know, pieces of snow globes or tiny little sculptures and things like that, but a proper, uh, sort of, you know, cast from the original mold replica of that has never been released officially. There are sort of, you know, bootleg versions of it out there. Um, but I would just love to have one of those actual Oh, <laughs> oh I, I, admi- I imagine the pair of us fighting over a doom buggy because I could just see well, one in my study. Sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes. I uh, absolutely. If a doom buggy ever made its way out of the ride, I would. I would certainly fight just about anybody for it. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I must admit, there's so many things I could just quite happily take away, and I'm. I'm quite pleased in a way that they're bringing into the parks now some sort of haunted mansion esque items that you can purchase and buy. There's the photo frames, etc. So. You never know, I might be bringing a few souvenirs back. What about you, Becky? What would your one item be? I don't know. I was kind of thinking of the Madame Leotard in the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Just having the head in my room. (laughs) She could just talk to you all night long. She could be your your alarm clock even in the morning. Wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's quite scary. I know, but first thing I thought of. Back in 2007, Ricky, you took part in the Disney Dream Job Experience. What can you tell us about it? Uh, oh boy! Uh, Taking I mean, you I, back in time a bit, aren't I? Sorry. Yeah. Well, no. It's it's one of those things that I could talk endlessly about because that was definitely a highlight. Uh, it, it, everything Disney I've ever done that was pretty pretty amazing. Um, and I still have to thank 
everybody who voted for me for that, uh, of which I know there were many, many people voting on a regular basis. And that's the only reason that I, uh, including my wife, uh, who voted like nonstop every day. <laughs> but uh, it was it was awesome. I, I mean, I've, I've certainly always dreamt of working the Haunted Mansion, uh, never really thought of legitimately sort of quitting everything I was doing and actually taking a job there. But, you know, I always thought, hey, if I could just work there a little bit, that would be awesome. And that finally gave me that uh, opportunity and to to don that costume for the first time and actually step out on stage and interact with guests and even do things in the mansion that aren't part of the day-to-day routine was uh, was extra special. Uh, you know, certainly got to got to give the spiel in the stretching room and that was wonderful, but things like walking up and down the uh, changing portrait hallway at Disneyland with a few of the other contest winners and sort of interacting with guests there, you know, dusting things and holding a candelabra just generally looking creepy and that was uh, what I found great about that is not only the experience for myself but that was sort of a magical moment for the guests who went through there during that brief amount of time that never has happened before probably will never happen again it was a a very unique uh, experience for everybody and and just the whole thing I mean Disney went above and beyond to make uh, everybody who was involved with that whether it was Haunted Mansion or any of the other um, dream jobs that were uh you know one for that for a weekend um just top-notch phenomenal experience so that was like a competition where people had to vote and you obviously won the dream job of being at the haunted mansion yeah yeah i mean it was it started with a video submission uh you know 30 seconds or less as to why you wanted to be uh, whatever dream job it was it was a haunted mansion and a pirate and a parade performer a jungle cruise skipper and a princess in waiting not an actual disney princess uh but um uh, yeah i mean not only it was five winners for each job and as a result of that competition uh, or contest or whatever you want to call it not only was it a tremendous weekend at Disneyland with unforgettable experiences but I've made some I made some very very close friends um, doing that uh, from all over the country people I probably otherwise would not have met are people that I'm actually seeing quite regularly whenever you know we sort of meet up at Disneyland or meet up out here um, that you know and talk to online all the time it's that uh, certainly priceless takeaway fantastic and if people want to find out some more about that there is pictures and a whole detail of your experience on the internet isn't there yeah i uh because i wanted to make sure to keep the everything about that alive years later as i sort of forgot the details over time i did set up a website even before i had my you know my uh, inside the magic address at inside the magic.net it was formerly at my sort of other personal site distantcreations.com um and so that is actually where the sort of the summary of the thing is that if you go to distantcreations.com slash dream job it's a day-by-day sort of report of the whole thing with video and and all of that and it's uh every once in a while i do go back there and kind of flip through the pictures and reminisce about uh, about that fun time ricky is a butler at the haunted mansion it's fantastic what would your dream job be becky oh i don't know what i don't know i was just thinking about that just anything i think just to be there for a day and see it like the back scenes i think would be amazing so i don't think i'll be fussy 
that was one of the most uh, crazy, the craziest moments of the whole thing is it all started um, more rapidly than any of us had anticipated. And I'm sure that was on purpose. We the very first sort of gathering once they had flown mm. us all out there and, you know, they put us up at the hotel and there was all of that. The very first thing to do was uh, gathering in Aladdin's Oasis uh, at, at an adventure land at Disneyland. And um, we, there was sort of a dessert party there and we all piled in, you know, friends and family. Um, and we, we started to grab a few little desserts that they had there and then they started they got up on stage and started speaking to everybody you know giving the standard welcome this and that and before we knew it all of a sudden they were calling all of the winners up onto stage for a brief handshake and then having us all walk through the cave of wonders you know giant tiger head uh normally you know part of the show with the smoke and all of that and immediately actually walking through there suddenly we were thrust into backstage and hightailing it over to a completely different room to begin the whole weekend and and meeting our trainers and all of that and it was absolutely not expected um it was just sort of those one of those whirlwind moments where we were like wait wait i want to look at this and then what's going on <laughs> And just, you know, it was crazy, sort of uh, just a, a, a magical moment for everybody, certainly. Very jealous of that experience, I must admit. You do. And I can also, if people want to see um, some of Ricky's videos from Halloween this year, you, last year, sorry, you had me in absolute stitches because of what you'd done this year. I think you must have scared the kids in your neighbourhood to death. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I have done that for a few years. I always try to have a little scare at my house. You know, Halloween's no fun without a, a good scare. Um, and and so I, I make all the kids in the neighborhood work a little bit to get their candy, of which I hand out, you know, full-size candy bars to reward them for their efforts. But uh, this year I decided, you know what, I want to capture a bit of all of this. So I set up a little hidden camera at my front door, and, and that was definitely a lot of fun. I think I'll be uh, – every year I try to mix it up so that they don't know where and when to expect it so i'll have to uh, you know already trying to come up with ideas for this year i'd like to firstly thank you for for coming on the podcast it's been fascinating i could sit and share stories with you all evening um would you like to tell our listeners how they can if they don't already know find out more about inside the magic yourself and how to contact you Absolutely. Uh, the website, uh, which is sort of the home of everything Inside the Magic, is simply insidethemagic.net. And uh, that is uh, certainly the home for the podcasts that come out every Sunday. Um, uh, in addition to that, uh, the, you know, the podcast is everything Disney and, and a bit beyond as well. It's usually about an hour long each week. Um, and uh, I've started over the last uh, year, year and a half, something like that, like that, doing a video version as well. Figured if I was sitting here recording it all, might as well throw a camera on me also so anybody who doesn't who wants a little bit more than the audio version can also catch the the video version which is not only on the website but also on our very popular uh youtube channel which is youtube.com slash inside the magic uh also home to countless uh videos from the theme parks and special events and all of that uh, really just hours and hours and hours of great stuff to watch there uh of course on the website photo galleries and daily articles and all the latest news and uh and really everything so uh yeah inside the magic net sort of the, the hub for it all I must admit it's the highlight of a Sunday afternoon because you normally tend to record about noon one o'clock Orlando time which is about five six o'clock tea time over here in the UK so it's, it's quite a quiet time of the day for me I've had my Sunday lunch and I can just sit in front of the laptop and be entertained for an hour or so so it's highlight of the week 
<laughs> well, thank you uh, very much. I, I certainly enjoy it. I've always said it. As long as there are uh, people listening and enjoying the show, I'll keep doing it. And it's always a pleasure to uh, to meet uh, you know anybody running into me in the park, um, to meet everybody, and to you know continue to bring some of the the Disney magic around the world. Uh, that's really what it's all about. Definitely is. Okay. Well, thank you ever so much, Ricky, for joining us. Thank you once again for having me on. Here's some more fun, starring yours truly. So, we had a Halloween fact from Kieran about Disneyland Resort. Then mm-hmm. we've had Ricky Brigante. Fantastic mm-hmm. pre-trip report from you. What a fun-packed mm-hmm. podcast. I know. I was even organised in some weird way. Which isn't Kimmy-like at all. No. But thank you for that, for being a guest. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Well, all I nearly need to tell you all is that you need to watch out for the next questions, which will be tweeted by Michelle and Lillian, um, for your chance to win another edition of the Walt Disney World with Kids 2014. So make sure that you are following at the Miniminxes and at Lillian Upsima, which is spelled L-I-L-I-A-N-E-O-P-S-O. M-E-R. Fantastic. Seems to be all for this episode. Before we go, we'd like to invite you all to keep in touch with us, Minxes. We really do love hearing from you. So until next time, it's mini kisses from me. Mwah. And mini kisses from me. Mwah. Listening to the Miniminxes Disney Podcast, a podcast which in no way whatsoever is incorporated with the Disney Company at all, whatsoever, no way, not ever. So, thank you for listening.